Hey, good morning, and welcome to Wells Branch Community Church. Can I just get a virtual hug in, everybody? Let's do it. How are we doing sheltering in place? I know, I know this is a struggle for a lot of us, uh, and it can kind of bring, bring up some anxiety. And so um, let me bring up an anxiety story. Can we do this? Uh, when I was a kid, especially in middle school, uh, I was terrified of roller coasters. Now, I had enough wherewithal, and I would talk myself through why it was so ridiculous that I was terrified. So I go to the amusement park, uh, all my friends would be getting on the ride, and I would think to myself, the engineering, the construction costs, the amount of money I could sue them, and my parents would get bazillion dollars. And so obviously, it is... um, Anybody should go on this roller coaster. Anybody should go on this ride and it would be totally fine. But what I knew didn't translate into anything of what I did. In fact, I would sit down on the bench with a Slurpee and sort of mope about it and just kind of hope that the thing fell apart. And I'd be like, see, I told you. I, I mean, there was this thing in me that was so um, scared. Um, and it was so weird because I, I just knew that the all the things. I had all the knowledge, but it didn't translate for anything going on in my actions. Now, uh, now that I'm a little older and, and, um, and now that we're in this world, there are still things that, that panic us. Um, I was able to get over my fear of roller coasters, and that took me going to airborne school and jumping out of airplanes, right? So I was like, I'm going to force myself to get over this. And I think there's a lot of us that are, I'm going to white knuckle my way through this. I'm going to get through this. I'm going to do whatever it is I need to do. And I want to live out the freedom that I have in Jesus, even when there's panic. And you would say this, you would say this, I know God is in complete control. I know that he wasn't sitting on the throne going like, what, where did this coronavirus come from? I don't think that was ever an issue for him. And I think you know that. I think you know that. And so this morning, um, I want us to walk with a new life in Christ. And I want us to live by the Spirit. And what that means is, I think when I use live by the Spirit, I think if you've been around Christianity for a while, that means just be a Christian. (laughs) Uh, Essentially, essentially it's this. I'm going to give you a definition of living by the Spirit. Uh, not a spirit of fear. Uh, Living by the Spirit means uh, that you yield to God and joyfully say no to anything outside of His design, okay? And then expectantly step into risk and even danger, being fully confident that God is with you and that all things work for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. And then you are are able to enjoy the ride. Okay, so that's, that's this morning where I want to go, but there's some reasons why we, we know all that. We know that, that God's designed it, but we resist living by the Spirit because we don't recognize the rivalry going on in our soul. And uh, do you remember the old cartoons where you had an angel over here and the devil over here? It is like that, only you don't have any cartoons talking. There's something going on. There's some negative self-talk going on, and we sort of tune out the Spirit that's wanting to communicate clearly with us. Okay. That's one. Two, uh, the reflection of our identity is is seen in our life patterns. What does that mean? Um, what does that mean? Uh, Okay. Take a look at social media feeds, right? Um, if, if someone's feed has panic or P 
peace on it, you would say to yourself, oh, that person has an identity in their peace or an identity in their panic, right? Because what they knew comes out in what they do, okay? So, so look at that. Now, on the flip side of that, <clears throat> reinforcement of our identity is also in our life patterns. So in the same way that social media can just be a reflection of our heart, social media can also be a uh, reinforcement of what we believe and what we do. And that's why it's so important that social media doesn't become our ultimate um, voice that we listen to, but rather, but rather, because even if social media, that's great, but rather that God's heart, Holy Spirit power is in our head and in our heart and in our hands all throughout times of hardness. And then listen, listen, let's talk beyond coronavirus for a moment. Don't you want to change? Don't you want to say no to the old way of life? Isn't there this thing in you that says, I want to, I want all the things that people talk about when they come off the ride of the joy and the excitement, the thrill of following Jesus. So let's, let's get into God's word this morning. Um, if you're just tuning in, uh, we are in Galatians chapter five. And um, if you're kind of wondering what's going on with this uh, weird symbology thing here, real quick, uh, the book of Galatians, which is the book we've been walking through, is all about this, that Jesus came, uh, he died, he rose, and he ascended and then he's coming back again. And we want that to be the heartbeat of our identity. Notice how there's nothing of me in that, right? Nothing of me. All I do is receive what Jesus did, and that becomes my identity, and my life is seen through that. And then last week, last week, specifically, uh, we learned that how freedom isn't uh, a license to sin, but freedom from sin and its power of guilt and shame and death. And I love this line last week that Joseph said. He said this, Whose we are determines who we are, which determines what we do. I'll say it one time. Whose we are determines who we are, which determines what we do. And I, for me, I just love that. And I, that really spoke to me. And we're going to kind of, kind of along that vein, we're going to continue to talk about the rivalry we constantly battle uh, from between our old way of life and our new way of life as we finally figure out who God intended us to be. All right, let's pray. Uh, God, thank you for uh, your word. I'm praying that we would walk in it. We'd run with it. We would be all that you've called us to be as we overcome fear, as we understand how you want us to just wrap our head around your truth and that the rivalry in our soul between the flesh and spirit be lived out by a reflection of your spirit and reinforcement of your spirit. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we're in Galatians chapter five, uh, and we're gonna be starting at verse 16, and I'm just kind of set this up for you if you're new. I'm gonna read through the scripture. I'm gonna do what's called an exegetical statement. Big churchy word or really seminary word uh, for what does this teach us about people or about God? And then I'm going to explain the scripture of how that teaches us that. Okay, ready? Verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. What I knew doesn't reflect in what I do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. 
Okay, in other words, there is a rivalry for our soul. Spirit versus flesh. There is a rivalry for our soul, spirit versus the flesh. And here's what I want. Watch this, watch this. Verse 17 has this word desires in it. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. That word uh, is desires and that's not really... um, Listen, I I love... I mean, the ESV translators are great, but I feel like almost... uh, the, the KJV does a little bit better. The King James Version right here calls it the lusts. And it's not, whenever you think lust, you think, what do you think? Right. And so it's not that, right? It's not uh, sex per se, but it is anything that you desire. It's, it's something bigger. And so when I looked up the word epithumio, in fact, we had to do this in our uh, psychology class in uh, seminary. Epithumio, all right, is what this word is. And it becomes the ultimate, epi, ultimate, or over, or super, thumio, desire. Now, here's what's fascinating about this. When your ultimate desire is for your flesh, then everything you do is about you, okay? And so what we do, here's, in our culture, we're really great at masking stuff. And so um, we use our need for control or power, approval, or comfort for our flesh, and then, and then what we do, let's just say it's, it's comfort, right? So uh, did you know that right now there's a website um, called howmuchtoiletpaper.com? And it's essentially answering the question that everybody is wanting to know, how much toilet paper do I need in this quarantine? And you can go there and figure it out. And you can kind of calculate, you probably just need one, one thing of toilet paper because it's not like you're going to be going any more or any less uh, during this time. Okay, so there's not a mad rush for toilet paper, but here's what you're afraid of, if that's you. You would say, Chris, 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 listen, what if there's a shortage? And what if, what if I run out? Okay, and, and then what if I have to go to my neighbor? And th- do you realize how uncomfortable that is to go to my neighbor, especially in a world of social distancing? Okay, okay, and then what if my neighbor then ridicules me? Okay, or what if my neighbor gives it to me and then all of a sudden I run out again? Then what do I do? And your whole life is about wrapped around this thing of how can I avoid pain? You're like, come on, Chris, who who does that? Okay, fine, fine, fine. Let's talk about relationships. If you're saying to yourself, I if I could just find the one, I, I have this super desire. I, it can't be that bad, right? I have this super desire. I just need somebody. And what happens when you get that somebody, then all of a sudden your ultimate hopes and dreams are pinned on a person. And that's what we call toxic relationship. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When all your hopes and all your dreams rest on how well that person treats you or how well that person does anything for you. And it ultimately, it all becomes about what they're doing for you. Okay, or, or how about the job? Because remember, we're dealing with finances, and listen, uh, this is a, a hard time. As a church, we want to support you in that. Uh, we have a benevolence fund to love you. Uh, if there's a place of need, we want to be able to meet all the needs of our church because we love you guys so much. But let's say you get the job, and if you pin all your hopes and all your desires on that job, what happens when you get fired? As we're kind of seeing that all of a sudden, my identity can't be in my job. My identity can't be in a relationship. It has to be in something else. And that's where the spirit versus the flesh rivalry sort of comes up. So, but there is another over-desire. Remember, it's, it's kind of like it's the lusts of the spirit. Now, 
the spirit doesn't desire anything but God. And so it's nothing sinful. But there's this ultimate desire found in God that everything we do revolves around him. So in, in other words, in this time, when we look up at God, we go, I know you're the designer of all things. I know that this time is scary, but if I trust you, I'm going to come out on the other side, just like a lot of my friends with a lot of joy and peace. And I'm talking about what a ride it was. Watch this. Even if you die, because everybody is terminal. And so I think that's the part that we get, our, we get so just freaked out about. And I want you to see how God wants to love you in the middle of that by making him your ultimate desire. Because when you do that, you're not under the law of the feeling of guilt and shame and death. Okay, so look, look, verse uh, 19 <clears throat> says this. Now the, f- now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We'll explain that in a sec, but watch. Flesh patterns are the works of identity in the flesh. In other words, in other words, what we knew doesn't match up to what we do. There is an identity issue. When what we knew doesn't line up with what we do, there is an identity issue because it's going back to the flesh. Now, watch this, watch this, watch this. Do you know all the enemy can work from? Do you know all that we can work from is what God intended for good? No, 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 no. I'm going to say it again. All that the enemy can work from, all that we can work from is what God intended for good. So I won't watch these. There's um, uh, 15 things here, 15 works of the flesh. Watch. The first three, sexual morality, impurity, and sensuality, those are all about sex, right? And so here, what's sex? Sex was not designed to be this filthy thing. Sex was for procreation. Remember, here's God in the garden with Adam. Be fruitful and multiply. And to give you a little incentive, I'll make it fun, okay? So that's sort of what what happened. But what happened with us is we didn't make it about God and so therefore enjoyed it as God designed it. And it's amazing when you enjoy it as God designs it. We made it about me and a power struggle. And so then all of a sudden what was intended for procreation is now intended to make me powerful. And that's why Pornography becomes a place where so many of us run to when we get rejected or when things are hard or when we're triggered by life. And what God is saying is that those are the things that show evidence that your heart isn't right with God, that you're going back to the old way. Okay, what about this one? Uh, idolatry and sorcery. There's this deep desire for people to interact with the supernatural. That's all, like, this is back then and even today. Now, you're like, Chris, come on, come on, come on. Really? We, nobody does that. No, that's worship, though. When you are wanting to interact with the supernatural uh, to have your needs met, what happens, though, with idolatry and sorcery, both of those are, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have a transactional relationship with you, God. In sorcery, if I say the magic words, I put the special potion in, God, you have to act on my behalf. It's just the law of the spiritual realm. Or, or God, I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to do whatever I need to do so that you will do what I want you to do. Ultimately, it becomes about you. This whole thing points back to you. 
Okay, watch, watch. Or, or enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. Do you know what those all are about? They're all about justice. There's this thing that's right in you that says like things should be fair. But the problem is when, it's, when your flesh is the ultimate desire, it's, it's not that want, we want everyone to be fair. We just want preference to me. I want it. I want to be fair. I want everyone to get by. I just want anyone to get by me. And with Jesus, we consider others better than ourselves. And so you sort of give up that sense of fairness for you. And that's where we have a hard time with that. In fact, in fact, let's just be honest. In fact, there's 15 things here. Eight of them are primarily what the church struggles with. These eight. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. That, that's us. That's us. I mean, inside the church is where people talk bad about each other. Inside the church is where we're like always nitpicking on, did you see what they're doing? And, and this is why we have a social media craze of comparison, right? Because we're always wanting everyone to get by. We just don't want them to get by us. We want everyone to ha- be fair. We just want justice for everyone in preference for us. That's how it works. And that's a work of the flesh that's constantly saying, I've got to one up to keep ahead. And that's exhausting. And this last one of drunkenness and orgies, orgies is really a bad translation because when you think orgies, you think, right. And um, orgies really means, it's, the King James Version translates it revelry, which I know I'm going a lot of King James here, like I read it all the time. I, I don't, but uh, they just do a better job of that. It's, it's, going, it's going down the 6th Street and going from uh, bar to bar to bar to bar and uh, party, right? That's, that's what drunkenness, this word, it's kamos, is the word. And uh, it was a reflection of that time. What you would do is you'd, you'd, you'd worship and celebrate the, the deity Bacchus and you'd go to different people's houses and you'd call them out to join you in the party and the party would be like a mobile party. Uh, so there you go. That's kind of what uh, that they're talking about then and it's funny how stuff doesn't change. But here's what I want you to see. It's like God designed stuff for us to enjoy, but we abuse it. We, we abuse alcohol. We abuse food, don't we? When we say, listen, I, I'm just going to enjoy this, but I want to enjoy it to a place that makes me sick. And so then all of a sudden it's about serving my flesh, not serving the Lord within the boundaries he's given me for, to provide the ultimate enjoyment. And that's why we are a lot of people that are overweight because when it comes, I want to change what I knew. Is it reflecting what I do? It's an identity issue every time. And there's that battle going on. Now, this, this, that last phrase, that those who do, do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. What he's saying there is that if it's true that this is works of the flesh, which, which they are, they reflect what's, what's going on inside the heart. And so this should cause you to question, am I saved? But the reality is, if you're saved, then you question if you're saved and you're doing a, a constant check. So this isn't like, I've lost my salvation because um, I've engaged in sex outside of marriage. There's a place of repentance and there's compassion and God wants to, to move towards him, not run from him. This isn't like the list of rules. If you do these, you're out. It's a list of things that reflect your heart of where it is. Is it with God or is it with your flesh? And that's the part that God's really want us to see here. Okay, now watch this. Verse 22, look at this, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there ain't no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Same word, epithumia. 
If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Watch this. Spirit life patterns are the fruit of identity in the Spirit. Spirit life patterns are the fruit of identity in the Spirit. Now, I want you to see what's important about this. Notice how with its works of the flesh reveal your identity in the flesh. And notice this. To have your identity in you that means you constantly have to be working to be just a little bit better than everybody else or a little bit better, a little bit worse. You're, you're just always constantly thinking about you and it's exhausting because there is no selflessness. It's all about you. And so you self-analyze and you kind of go over and over and over and this battle in your mind of flesh versus spirit happens all the time because you're constantly having to work it out. All right, now watch. Whereas it's fruit of the spirit. Now, what does a tree have to do to produce fruit? It just has to be plugged in to the root. And so look, look, what happens with us is that um, we sort of expect, I do the Christian thing, problem solved, drug addiction gone. I don't desire to have sex anymore. I am like completely a celibate person who only thinks about having uh, sex in the appropriate context of which God has designed. And how many people are like that? Very few. I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but for the most of us, for the regular Christian person, all of a sudden we enter into a relationship with Jesus and we're finding that those things, things take time. And listen, if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you look at yourself five years ago and you're like, man, what a train wreck I was. I, and you can kind of go over and over. And so five years from now, you're going to look back to you right now and you're going to go, man, how did I even function? Because here's what God is doing. He's growing that fruit. Now, so fruit takes time. Okay, now look at this. Look at this. Either it's poor grammar or Paul is making a point. And since it's Paul, obviously he's really smart, plus inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this is a point. Watch this. The fruit of the Spirit is. Now, how many fruits of the Spirit are there? And everybody said, nine? No, there's only one. Remember, it's either bad grammar or it's that Paul was intentional to use something that seems strange. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Nine things are actually one thing. Okay, it's kind of like, you know how like the Trinity is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? It's kind of like a nonity. I guess that's nine unity. All right, so that's what that is. That's, it's a nonity. It's one fruit with nine fruits of the fruit. Okay, and here's, here's why this is important. Because a lot of times um, in our business culture, right, we say play to people's strengths. And, and that's good. I think that's a healthy thing. You don't, want, uh, if so, you don't want the engineer working in sales, right? And you definitely don't want the sales guy working as an engineer. Uh, all the buildings would fall down, but we'd have a lot of great times doing it. Okay, so what, what I want you to see here is, is this, is that if you have love, then that's awesome. And you know what I'm talking, I'm talking about? Not, not selfish love. Not like love, here's my list of things that I want someone to be and they're going to marry me and then fulfill all my dreams so like an accessory to my life. Not, not like that. I'm talking about love where you love people for who they are and not what they can do for you. Okay? So you, so you see that. However, if you were to love every person like that, there might come a place where you neglect your own family for the fact that you just saw someone of great value right in front of you. And because you are loving them in the now person, you neglect the people you've committed to because it's not right in front of your head. However, however, if love is balanced by self-control, 
then you can develop boundaries so that the fruit of the Spirit matures. Do you see that? Do you see that? Now, at the same time, if you're so self-controlled that you have no love for people, then that's wrong as well, right? So I think what happens, we sort of like, well, I'm just a person that is just totally in control and I don't listen. Vulnerability is not what I do. Then that's not a mature Christian. You are being an immature fruit. And we just send you back to Jesus, right? Or how about this? Um, this is happening in homes all over the place, I'm sure. Remember, you love, you're a peaceful person. Like God has given you the gift of peace. Hallelujah. And we love you for who you are. The problem can be is that peace without something else will lead to passivity. And you would just say, listen, I'm keeping the peace. I'm doing what, I'm just doing what I naturally called to do. Because do you see this? How some people have natural peace in them, but if it's a fruit of the spirit, it also is accompanied by something like faithfulness. So that when, instead of, uh, if you're the head of your household, and instead of like just saying, listen, uh, the kids are going to do what they're going to do. I can't discipline. I mean, who's going to, who's got time for that? And you say, no, no, I'm going to be faithful to what God has called me to do. I'm going to instill discipline. I'm going to instill order in this house because that's how I teach and train my children to honor God. Do you see that? So, because you could have all this peace in you, but it needs faithfulness to accompany it because that's a whole fruit. And I think there's a lot of us who've just been depending upon and just kind of holding up. Look how peaceful I am. Look how loving I am. I know I have no self-control, but stop judging me. No, I'm not judging you. I'm just saying that that's not a mature fruit. Or what about this one? You're really gentle and you are unbelievably compassionate with people. But then all of a sudden, you, your whole life, you take on all their issues and all their problems. This is where, you know, if you're a counselor person, you could take on the whole world's issues. But watch this. If you have joy, if joy is in your fruit of the Spirit as well, then your gentleness and joy come together. Because joy is like, I'm good. Doesn't matter what the circumstances are. Put me in prison. Put me in uh, coronavirus world. I'm good. God's got all in control. Now, the problem is if you're just a joy person, then you got no empathy. And those people, the posts on social media that just sort of drive you crazy, like, it's all good, everything's great, everything's, I don't know why everyone's having such a problem, I'm just, I'm just above it all. Now listen, they, they, they probably genuinely are, okay, maybe. But what's probably going on, if they've been given a, a if, they're, if they have the fruit of the spirit of joy, but it's not there with gentleness or it's not there with love, then it's an immature fruit. And I think what God is wanting from us is that we stay connected to him and instead of running from our weaknesses, we lean into them and allow Jesus, the great pruner, gardener, to prune us, to make us more like him. And to do that starts with us when we receive him. Here's, here's what's so hard. Verse 24 says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. Now, he could have said those uh, who belong to Christ Jesus have you know, stoned the flesh or have beaten the flesh down. But he uses crucified because this is something that's kind of going throughout. Remember Galatians 2.20? I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but he it is, lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so when I come to Jesus, I give him all my darkness, all my idolatry, all my... Oh, epithumio, I'm putting it on the cross where he's taking it and then I'm taking on his righteousness and the epithumio of the spirit, which is I want God's way and will because my identity is his. And that takes time and that takes the church and that takes us walking together. And so um, 
let's live by the Spirit. Let's keep in step with the Spirit. And the first way to do that is just simply ask the question, are you reflecting and reinforcing the Spirit or the flesh? Are you reflecting and reinforcing the Spirit or the flesh? Now, um, that question, I want you to ask it. And then um, here's what I want you to do. We're going to have a time of communion. So um, during the next song is, a, is a probably, if you haven't gotten your communion stuff ready, you can, you can get it ready. But be, while we're doing that, um, I want you to submit your prayer request. I want you to, you can email us a prayer at wellsbranchchurch.com or just confess sin. You can confess sin one to another right at your spot, right where you're at. And the thing I want you to principally think about right now, not that you can't confess other stuff, is I want you to think about, are you reflecting and are you reinforcing the spirit or the flesh? And if you've never received Jesus as your savior, if this is all brand new to you, if you're like, I don't, what are you talking about flesh and spirit? Listen, do you believe that there's something bigger and greater? That God designed you for more, but you can't have it because it just feels like it's always out of reach. Well, Jesus came near to you. He died on that cross. He rose from the dead. He's coming back again. And what I want you to see is that he wants you to experience Holy Spirit living by simply accepting what he did for you on the cross. That he came, he died, he rose, he said he's coming back. Once you believe that, Holy Spirit indwells you and you become a brand new person. If that's you, email us at prayer at wellsbranchchurch.com and we'd love to follow up with you. Now, for the rest of you, as we're going this time to prepare our hearts as believers uh, for the Lord's Supper, um, let's pray. Father, thank you that you have done great things for us, that you have transformed us from the darkness of our heart, and we have this deep, deep need and desire for more of you. Lord, would you work in us? When it feels overwhelming, when, the, when our souls sort of... Um, take stock in the works of the flesh and we forget to live fully for you, Lord. Will you allow us to repent, to come to you, knowing that our identity is in you? Jesus, will you do a work in me, in, in my own family, to not have an immature fruit, to have a fruit that is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control that when I live out my life for you, Lord, it's a mature fruit. God, I pray that for people listening. I'm praying for somebody who may have heard the gospel that Jesus came not to uh, put his thumb on everybody's life, but to free us from the friction of our own soul, that they would come and respond just by believing, not by white knuckling, and that they would have a life in you. So Lord, as we go to a time of communion, as we go to a time of prayer and confession, would you just um, echo in our hearts how much you love us. It's in Jesus' name we pray.